you don't know who I am, my name's Leon. I'm the senior pastor here at the church. And you know, I just thought this morning, what a multicultural church we have. The first four voices you heard this morning were a Scouser, a Scotswoman, a Welsh guy, and an Irishman. All right, it was so multicultural here. Um, so now you're going to get some black country. Is that all right? Although I did say at the first service, I was born, uh, brought up in Hagley and Pedmore, so I'm not quite sure that I qualify as being really black country. Um, but I want to just short, talk to you a little bit this morning. Uh, it's the end of our series, the Ask It series. Um, and before we uh, kind of get into what I want to say this morning, um, many of you have asked questions of me over the last few weeks about things relating to the life of the church. Before I answer that or speak into that, let me just say yesterday uh, was a great day here at church as well, yesterday afternoon. Many of us went down to Malvern to be part of the induction service for Dan and Rachel. Dan was our associate pastor for many years. They've now taken over leading a church in Malvern. It was great to see so many Zion people down there just kind of praying and blessing them as they go on their journey and they're doing great, which is fantastic. Last night, I think there were nearly 100 people who went swimming. How many of you went swimming last night? Yeah, there was, was exciting, nearly 100 people, families and kids and stuff uh, at the Crystal Leisure Centre swimming. I know some of your dads were really excited about that not uh, but there you go but that was a great time and again all part of what it means to be community together which is brilliant uh, one of the questions that some of you have asked me is this what's happening with the building because at the end back end of last year uh, at our 35th anniversary we had a gift and pledge day and uh, it was such an amazing response from you as a church we've gifted or pledged over the next two years over a million pounds which is amazing uh, to that project I can tell you things are developing really well uh, we had a meeting on Friday with the planning department and everything looks in order so they've told us to submit the planning application which we'll do this week that will be an eight-week process what we will do over the next few weeks is that we will put some more stuff up on the website and we will create a visual display here in the church so you can be updated on what's happening in terms of specific details we're going to share that with you at the March vision gatherings which is the 10th 11th and 12th of March so put that in your diary and we'll update you uh, more specific information then one of the other questions some people have asked me about is what's happening with our work overseas. Again, we want to update you more fully at the vision gatherings, but just to say we are in a whole period of transition. As many of you know, our relationship, our partnership with Hands at Work and with AMLU finished at the end of this uh, uh, end of last year, um, but and that's been a 10-year uh, relationship. But what we have done is that we've sent uh, just under £20,000 to Africa uh, in January. Some of that, 3000 of that was to tear fund for the Ebola crisis. The rest of it was to Hands at Work for the AMLU feeding program. So even though we finished our official partnership because they're much stronger as a community now, we wanted to bless them and also to make sure that they have enough finance for the feeding program throughout 2015 and on into 2016. So I think that's amazing, okay? Just the generosity. And all of that comes because of the giving of you guys as a church. So I think that's amazing. So... So that's just a couple of kind of updates for you. Um, over the last four weeks, we've been looking at the Ask It series. We've been looking at questions that we might ask God. Um, in the first one, we looked at the question that answers about everything, which is what's the wise thing to do? And then in week two, we looked at the question that everyone's asking deep down. If there is a God, does he really know me? And then last week, how many of you were here last week? Wasn't it just amazing to be here? We looked at questions that we're afraid to ask. And if you weren't here, 
you know, you need to get the podcast, you need to get the video that we showed last week, which is a story. One of the guys in the church who was a leader here in the church uh, and a Christian for 20 years and then went on a whole journey of doubt, which ended up with him losing his faith. And that whole process lasted about five or six years before God intervened at the start of last year and he came back into relationship with God. It was an incredible morning. And uh, what I want to do this week is to really flip the whole thing on its head and not look at the questions that we ask of God, but I want us to explore this. What question might God ask you one day? What question might God ask you one day? You see, we ask questions for a number of reasons. You know, we asked the questions this morning. Andy asked Mark the questions to, be, you know, to try and uh, get some information. So we ask questions to discover information. But we also ask questions to initiate conversation, don't we? If you're trying to get to know someone, you know, without questions, you're not going to do it. You, we use that to initiate uh, relationship and conversation. We also ask questions to assess learning. So we ask a question of someone to make sure that they understand what we're trying to communicate. But we also ask questions to help the other person to reflect. So the question isn't about us. The question we ask is often about to help the person that we're asking the question to. That's really important when we come to look at what questions might God ask us. Because I want to suggest if God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. Okay? Not only the answer that you will give, but the real answer. Because sometimes the answer that we give God isn't the real answer at all, but God knows it. So if God knows the answer to the question, why on earth does he ask us any questions? Well, he does it for our benefit, not for his. He does it to help us to reflect on where we are in relationship to him and in relationship to ourselves and to the world around us. And what I'm going to do this morning is, I'm going to, if you're not a Christian this morning, if you, if you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, maybe you say, yeah, I'm not sure I'm a follower of Jesus. I've never said yes to that. I'm checking it out. I'm exploring it. Then we are really glad you're here. We love it that you're here, okay? I'm going to look at two questions. The second question relates to you as it relates to everyone. The first question doesn't relate so much to you, but it relates to everyone around you who is a Christian. So you this morning, if you're not a Christian, you can sit back and relax, look around you, and you can thank yourself that you don't have to answer the question that everyone else has to answer around you, okay? Because this just doesn't quite relate to you yet, but hopefully it will at one stage. The first question I want us to look at is this, the question that God will ask you one day. If you're a Christian this morning, God will ask you this question one day. And this is the question, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? And the Bible teaches that there will be a day when we'll have to answer that question to God. Paul says in Romans 14 verse 12, So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And it's like God will ask you, Hey, I gave you a whole load of stuff in your life. What did you do with it? And we'll have to give an account for that. And Jesus often communicates, not through preaching as we would understand it, but through telling stories. The Bible often calls them parables. And one of the famous parables, famous stories he taught was in Matthew 25 verse 14. I'm going to read it all to you. And it says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money in an ISA. I just added that in, make sure you were there. 
Some of you are listening, that's good. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who's ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Let me say a couple of caveats about this. This is not extolling the virtues of capitalism. This is not a social commentary on people who don't work hard and how we should somehow say, if only you would work harder, then we wouldn't have to look after you. This is not a comment about that at all. And I think we've taken it and and, and misinterpreted it in many ways. This is a comment on the fact that God has given all of us some stuff, hasn't he? He's distributed lots of things to us. He's the master. He's given it to us and he expects that we do something with it One day he will come back and ask us a question. What did you do with what I gave you? And I want to suggest that there are three areas uh, that this applies to and they all happen to begin with the same letter. Talents, time and then treasures. And what I want to give you is just the principles that I think govern this whole understanding. The first principle is this. What we have is not ours, it's on loan from God. Any of you agree with that? So your stuff does not belong to you. It belongs to God who entrusts it to you. The Bible calls that stewardship. We are stewards looking after what God has given us. Number two, what we have is for us to enjoy, but it's also for the benefit of the work of the master, the kingdom. It's not just for us to enjoy. It's to benefit the work of the master. What God wants to see happen on earth, he entrusts stuff, time, treasures and talents into your life and my life for the benefit of the work of the kingdom. Number three, what we've been given is what we're accountable for, not what we've not been given. Many people compare to others in terms of this whole thing, but God says, hey, it's nothing to do with you, what I'm doing in their life or what they've been given. What are you doing with what I've given you? Number four, what we've been given, we have a choice over how we use it. I'm going to talk a lot this morning about this principle of free will that God has given us. He's given us stuff, but he's given us perhaps the greatest gift of all, free will. And that means that we get a choice over what we do with the stuff that God gives us. Number five, what we do with what we have reveals a lot about who we really are. You see, many people claim to be all kinds of things spiritually, but what really reveals who we are before God is what we do with the things that God has given us. More than our songs, more than our raising our hands, more than all of our words is what we do often with our stuff. What we do with what we have now can be a precursor to what we will handle in the future. Now, let me be cautious about that. That doesn't mean to say that we say, okay, if I give this, then God will give me more. That's a, that's a misappropriation of this principle. 
But there's something in God which says, you know, if you handle your stuff really well, then God may well look and say, do you know what? They're safe hands. I may give you more because they're safe hands that I can put this stuff into. What we have, we must use wisely or we may lose it is another principle. And finally, what we have, we are to use wisely or one day we will regret it. Because God will come to us and say, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? So let's just look at that for a moment. You see, if God is going to ask you this question one day, today, let's have a dry run. Is that okay? If one day God's going to ask you this question, today, let's have a dry run. And let me ask you the question, what are you doing with what God has given you? Firstly, are you wisely serving with the talents or the abilities that he's given you? Not only out there in life, but also in the life of the church. Paul teaches in Ephesians 4 verse 16, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let me say to you, there's a lot of new people in the church at the moment, which is brilliant. We love that. This church, we really passionately believe that even though we say like we're ministers and pastors, we believe theologically, okay, that every single person who's a Christian is a minister. And we believe that our job, those of us that, you know, get the privilege of of working here in the church, our job is primarily to listen to God and to help encourage and teach into your lives that you could discover the gift that God has for you and that you'd use that gift in service, not only out there in the world, but also in the life of the church. And the Bible says that a really healthy church is where every person knows what their role is and does it and the whole of the church gets built up and becomes more effective on the earth. So my question to you is, what are you doing with what you've been given? You've been given gifts and abilities, talents that God has put within you. And if you don't know what those gifts and abilities are, we want to help you discover them. That's why we run things like the Gifted to Serve course. Starts on Wednesday night this week. Two Wednesdays, just two evenings of your life. We'd love you to come. Maybe you've been in the church for a long time and you haven't quite found a way to plug in. Maybe you think, yeah, well, you turn up. And you walk away, but maybe there's more that God would have for you. Because maybe he's brought you here and uniquely gifted you to play a part which would help the whole of us as a church. So we'd love you to sign up and be a part of that course. How about time? Are you wisely using the time that you'd been given? Remember back in week one, we looked at this issue. And we said that there's a cumulative value in investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period. And it's true of everything. It's true with diet and exercise and and marriages and family time and devotional time. If you invest small amounts of time consistently over a long period of time, it will pay dividends. Are you wisely using the time that God has given you? And then thirdly, it's one I want to talk a little bit about this morning. Are you wisely using the treasures or the money that you've been given? You know, it's so amazing to me, the generosity uh, in this church. That million pound that's been given or pledged over the next two years to refurbish this building is over and above people's regular giving, which is amazing. And I think it kind of puts us in that situation where maybe all of us should reflect on what are we doing with the money that God has given us. You know, there are really only five things that you can do with your money. Let me just show you them up here. You can spend it. You can repay debt. You can pay taxes because we have to. You can save it and you can give it. It's really interesting. I think that's kind of round about the order that most people think about their money. Maybe you would argue a little bit about the order of that, some of them. But most people think about it like that. I'm going to spend it 
I'm going to pay some debt. I've got to pay taxes. Maybe I'd put that before debt. I don't know. I'm going to save it if I've got, and then if I've got anything left over, then I'll give it. I don't know how many of you like leftovers in food. How many of you like leftovers? I, we really like leftovers in our house, actually, especially at Christmas time. You know, and you cook the turkey on Christmas Day, and then you kind of say two or three days, and you, you use the leftovers and make something creative. Would anyone like me on that? You know, I love that. And sometimes, if, we, if there's just the two of us, we might say, what we're going to have tonight, we'll just eat up some scraps, is what we say, okay? They're not on the floor or anything like that. We're not that... <laughs> It's not that bad yet, but we just take some leftovers and eat them. But here's the thing. If you come to our house for dinner, we don't serve you leftovers because you're a guest. So here's the thought. If I wouldn't serve you leftovers because you're a guest, why would I give to God leftovers when it comes to money? And I want to suggest something to you, which is going to be countercultural for many of us. I think we should flip that on its head. So it now looks like this. Give it first save it maybe even a little bit say hey I'm going to pay myself I'm going to pay a little bit away for the future pay taxes you have to do that repay debt and then what is left I'm going to spend it so you're saying the leftovers are what I get to spend on myself exactly is what I'm saying see not only is it, I want to suggest to you that that's wisdom I think that's honouring God and if you're, a, if you're not a Christian, this doesn't apply to you, okay? If you are a Christian, it really does apply to you. Because one day God is going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? And listen, if you need help in how to give to God through the local church, you know what? We would help you do that. <laughs> Honestly, any time of the day or night, we would help you with that challenge in your life. Because I believe that what we need to do is to flip the thing upside down. And you say, yeah, but it's upside down. Exactly. It's the right way up. Our world is so counter to what God intended. It is the wrong way up. And we need to turn the thing on its head in order to get it the right way up. So what are you doing with what you've been given? Just stand for a moment. Why don't we just stand and just before I carry on, just stand and let's just pray for a minute. And maybe right where you stand today, you could just say to God, God, here's me. And God, I want to thank you this morning that you've trusted me to put some stuff in my life. I've got time that you've given me. I've got talents and abilities that you've given me. And I've got some treasures that you've given me. And Lord, this morning, I want to say, God, I want to do what you want me to do with what you've entrusted me. God, I want to give because that's who you are. And I want to give because I'm grateful. And I want to give because I want my life to matter and to count. And Father, I just pray this morning that there'd be people here who, maybe even in these moments, would just surrender some of this stuff that we hold on to. For some of us, giving money isn't a problem, but giving time is. For some of us, giving time isn't an issue, but getting involved and serving is a challenge. God, for some of us, we don't mind serving, but don't touch our wallet. God, I pray that we would be people who are radically generous, who radically give, because we've been radically loved by a gracious, giving God. And Lord, one day, one day, you're going to ask us a question. What did you do with what I gave you? And God, I want to stand before you that day without any fear, without any embarrassment, and be able to tell you, you already know, but it's for my benefit. So Lord, would you speak to us, I pray. Help us to be people who give, who give out of what you've given to us, in Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Take your seats. Thanks, guys. Just in the time we've got left, I want to talk now about a question that applies to every single person in the room. So if you don't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus, this applies to you. If you are a follower of Jesus, this applies to you also. This is the question that God won't ask us one day. This is the question that God asks us every day. And I believe this is the most important question that God ever asks And before I tell you what it is, we're going to look at where you find it. It's in the book of Genesis chapter 3. It's actually the first question that God ever asked anyone. The first recorded question of God. And this is the question. In Genesis 3 verse 8 it says this. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and here's the question. Where are you? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The question God will ask you and I every single day of our life is this, where are you? And it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he wants us to know where we are in relation to him. And so he asks this amazing question, where are you? You know, as I looked at this again this week, and you know, for many of you, I know you've been Christians a long time and you... You get it, all this stuff, and, and you know, I get it as well. But as I looked at it again, it's like I got it all over again. Do you know what I mean? And I was just so overwhelmed when I thought of how much God loves us when I understand the depth of this question. You know, here you see the first recorded game in history, I think, the game of hide and seek. How do you know? Kids still play hide and seek now, don't they? They do. They're all these computer games and high-tech things, but they still play hide and seek. And our youngest, Simeon, as many of you know, has got special needs, disability. And when he was little, he loved playing hide and seek, but he played it with a little bit of a twist. When we would say, go off and hide, he would stand in the middle of the room and put his hands over his eyes like that because he thought, if I can't see them, then they can't see me. And actually, what was really sweet about Simeon was that when he would play hide and seek, he didn't he didn't hide for very long because he so wanted to be found. Okay, so if you walk into a room and he was hiding, he kind of like stand there like that, do you know what I mean? Because he so wanted his mom and his dad to find him. And when I look at this first recorded game and the first recorded question, I want to suggest to you that these few verses that I've just read explain the world as it is today. If you want to know why the world is as it is, it's all wrapped up in these few verses. Let me give you the backstory. Whether you believe in a single Adam and Eve or not is not that relevant, okay? Not that relevant to what I want to say. So if, you, if that's a sticking point for you, put it on one side. I want you to go with me here. God created humanity, is what we believe, okay? And he put humanity in a perfect environment, And he said, you've got free will. And he gave him that gift of free will. And I, to this day, can't understand why God would do that when I see where that's ended up. But God loves us so much. He didn't want us to love him because we had to or we forced. He gave us the free will gift. And he gave us the free will gift. And he said, and you can do whatever you want within this environment, only don't do the one thing. But because he gave us free will, we did the one thing that God said, don't do it. And what happened is at the moment we did that, we became dislocated from God. Not because God wanted it, but because we chose it. We became dislocated from ourselves. We became dislocated from one another. We became dislocated from our environment. And when you want to know why the world is as it is, it's all because of this. And into the midst of that, God came and he asked this question, where are you? And because they'd eaten that 
fruit that they shouldn't have eaten. And because they were aware then of their own nakedness and because they covered up, they then went into hiding. And God came to them and he said, where are you? And I want to explore three aspects of this question. Firstly, it's an unusual question because it turns on its head, and this is what blew my mind, the common view of God and mankind. The common view is this, that man is looking for God and God is hiding. I want to tell you, sometimes God does appear to hide, but the trajectory of God is not a hiding God, it's a seeking God. The reality is that God is looking for man and man is hiding. God is looking for us and we are the ones who are hiding. You know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save. You know, I've come on a mission to seek and save those who are, the Bible says, lost. Those who are hiding away from me and my relationship. Tells three stories in Luke 15 of a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. We're all the lost people in that, okay? And the person that's looking for that thing that's lost, whether it's a sheep, a coin or a son, is a picture of who God is. We're the ones hiding, God's the one who is seeking. And God is not in need of the information as to where we are. We are the ones in need of the information as to where we are because we're the ones who got dislocated from God. And the question is not just about geographical location. It's deeper than that. It's about head. It's about heart. It's like God's coming to Adam and he's saying, where are you at? Where are you in relation to me? Where are you at in relation to yourself? Where's your head? Where's your heart? And he's coming every day to ask you and I the same question. Leon, where are you? I know where you are, but I need to ask it you because I want you to know where you are in connection to me. It's an unusual question, but secondly, it's a kind question. God didn't need to answer, ask it because he knew the answer. And he came not primarily to bring punishment, and I'll talk about that in a moment, not primarily to bring anger, but he brought his voice. And whenever he brings his voice, it's about grace. Really, even if it seems hard, it's about grace. He brought his voice. And and then I've asked myself this question this week. What was there in Adam and Eve to compel God to go looking for them? And I came to this conclusion, nothing. Nothing. Because, you know, when we have relationships, we have relationships because we want them, but also we need them, don't we? So we enter relationships and something in that relationship is a benefit to us. And then I thought about this. What is there of benefit to God in relationship with us. And I've come to the conclusion, absolutely nothing. And then this blew my mind. So there's absolutely nothing of benefit to God in relationship with me. Why does he still keep coming to look for me? And here's the answer. Because he wants to. Because he loves me. No other reason, no other benefit than he wants relationship with his creation. And I don't know about you, but that just blows my mind. Blows my mind. You know, and I think, wow, God, why would you do that? You know, the Bible says in Ephesians, he loves us according to his goodwill and his pleasure. (laughs) He loves us not because he has to, but because he wants to. He comes to us to look for us, not because he needs to, but because he desires to. You know, I grew up in a church tradition which was great in many ways, but I also grew up with a sense that God loved me because he had to, because it's part of his job description. It's like the fine print at the bottom. And then the moment when I was a young adult and I realized that God loved me, not because he had to, but because he wanted to. God sought me, not because he needed to, but because he desired to. And I thought, God, you're so incredible. How would I not give my life to you? It made me want to love him even more. And I want to say to you this morning that wherever you are, whether you say that you're a Christian or not, God comes to you today with this question. Where are you? 
Where are you in connection to me? Where are you? Are you hiding? Are you running? Are you excusing? Are you covering up? Are you pretending? Are you faking? Are you struggling? Where are you in relation to me? Because the only thing I really care about is relationship with you. And they used to walk together in the court of the garden, the Bible says, but then they were dislocated because of the free will that God gave to man. And God said, I want to restore that relationship more than anything else. You know, God wants relationship more than anything, more than compliance or obedience. And I know that there are some policemen here this morning. So please forgive this illustration. You all do an amazing job. We love you. We honour you. We respect you. We just don't want to be caught by you. All right. That's an, I'm joking. I'm joking. So how many of you have ever been driving your car and in your mirror, you noticed a policeman, a police car behind you? How many of you noticed that your driving miraculously changed in that moment? And it reminds me of something that happened when, when I was, and this is confession time, and I'm not really proud of this, okay? I might sound like I am, but I'm not. It wasn't a good thing to do. But I was brought up in the Salvation Army, and we used to wear uniforms, and we used to wear these caps that uh, back in the day would have looked like a, a police cap, potentially. And when I first passed my test at 17 or 18, I do remember some certain Sunday mornings when I was trying to drive somewhere, uh, you know, on a Sunday. And if I was behind a, an older guy in the car, and he was going too slow, I put my cap on. And, and, and in, his, in his mirror, he looked like that, and, and he'd pull over, and I'd go past and drive on. It's terrible. It's terrible. I know it's terrible. But then God got a hold of me, and, and I've been perfect ever since. Yeah, right. But, but there's, this, there's something about, and we all do it. I mean, my wife, if ever we're anywhere near a police car, she goes into like panic mode, and we've done nothing wrong, you know. But, but what happens is that you, you see the police from behind you, and then immediately, it's 30, right, I'm 29. And 10 to 2 on the steering wheel, do you know what I mean? And every mirror, signal, manoeuvre, and it's all perfect. You comply and you obey because he's breathing down your neck. Now here's the thing, you are never safer on the road really than when that police car is with you. But who, how many of you know that when the police car turns off, you breathe a sigh of relief, don't you? And then it's the one hand on the wheel and then all that kind of stuff. But you see, you complied, but compliance never brings intimacy. Because you see the policeman, there's no way that you say, oh, I'd really like to have a friend, be friends with him. You don't do that. And God is not like that policeman that just comes up behind you and wants you to comply. God wants friendship more than anything else. God wants relationship more than anything else. And this is a kind question. You know, I grew up, in, obviously raised up in my mom and dad's house and, and, and my father had house rules. Okay, they were dad's rules because it was his house. Here's the question. By me obeying the rules, did that make me his son? No, I always was his son. I always will be. And I think sometimes as Christians, we can get that mistake. And we think if I obey all the rules, then somehow, then that will make me a son or a daughter of God. And it's the other way around. We are sons and we are daughters of God. And because of that, we want to obey those rules. Not because we have to, but because we want to. And as I looked at this again, I thought, Do you know what? There's more kindness in this than I even imagined. Because the Bible says that when they ate the fruit, they discovered they were naked and they were ashamed and they covered themselves up. The Bible says with fig leaves. And I did a little bit of research. Fig leaves are incredibly prickly and itchy. And if you make underwear out of fig leaves, it is not a comfortable... Now, I was going to demonstrate it this morning, but we're not, okay? So don't worry about that. I've got to use Simon for something. <laughs> I'm joking. But here's the kindness of God. Here's the kindness of God. You see... See, he comes to them and then, they, and then he has the conversation and then they're in the fig leaves. And because they exercise free will, 
God can't then take that back. So the trajectory of free will is this, okay, you broke the one thing I said, you're going to have to leave the garden. So off they went. And I think that broke God's heart. But as they leave, the Bible says that God, and God then stopped them. And God made other coverings out of animal skins and placed them on them. That's much more comfortable underwear than fig leaves. And I thought, isn't that kind of God? But also it's prophetic because it points to the future when there will be a sacrifice. His only son sacrificed on the altar of the cross so that we can be covered and protected from all of that shame and all of that guilt and all of that fear and all of that sin that kept us away and keeps us away from relationship with God who is seeking us who are hiding. Isn't he amazing? And I thought, God, you are so, so kind. Not only is it unusual and not only is it incredibly kind, it's also a personal question. Where are you? Where are you today? And I believe that this question comes to every single one of us. And I wonder how many of us do what Adam did. Firstly, we're evasive. God says, where are you? And he says, well, well I was afraid. And uh, No, I didn't ask you that. I said, where are you? So we evade the question. And then that didn't work. So then he became excusing and blaming. And it says, it says you can read it here in Genesis 3.12. The man said, the woman, the woman. Yeah, it was the woman. How many men have ever said that? It was the woman. And, and then it goes worse than that. The woman you put here with me. It's actually your fault. The woman you put here. He didn't say that when he saw that beautiful woman when she was created. Thank you, God, is what he said then. But then all of a sudden, dislocated from relationship, fear and shame and guilt. They knew nothing of fear and shame and guilt before that moment. And then he begins to excuse and he begins to blame and he begins to hide. You know, I want to say to you this morning, this question comes to you powerfully today. Where are you? Where are you? I want to ask the band to come back up. And I, I, want, I want you to think about this question, where are you? Because I believe that God is asking you this morning that question. And maybe you're not yet a Christian. Okay, so maybe you've never said a big yes to God. Maybe you're on a journey. Yeah, we're all on a journey. But maybe you've never ever in your life said a big yes to God. You've never asked God, said, God, could you, Jesus, would you make, would you become my Lord and the leader of my life? You've never done that. God asks you, where are you? Where are you? Maybe this morning you're, you're a Christian, but you're hiding. Maybe you're hiding because of something that you've done or that's been done to you. Maybe you understand what it is to cover up and to feel shame and to feel fear and to feel guilt. And God comes to you this morning and says, where are you? Or, or maybe you say, well, I am a Christian, but you know what? I've just got lost. I just Life has happened and I've just got dislocated from God's presence and an awareness of God's presence. And you're just dislocated and you're kind of like, you think, yeah, where am I? I don't know where I am. I'm, I feel like I'm nowhere in connection to God. And God comes to you this morning and he says, where are you? And it's a personal question that requires a personal response. So I'm going to ask Ben just to play for a moment. I'm going to ask us to close our eyes. And I'm going to read out a whole load of words that I felt God gave me in preparing for this. And I'm going to ask that you just try and shut out everyone else. Just let the Spirit of God speak into your life. And if for some of you, you think, oh, it's a bit weird. I don't understand what that means. 
All I'm asking you to do is just listen to the words and when you feel something inside, maybe a warmth, maybe a little kind of, you know, just, I don't know, something, that's God speaking to you. I'm going to read out a whole load of words and there may be one word that God says, that's you, that's where you are. At that moment, all God asks is that you come out of hiding and step towards Him. You just take a step. Just take a step. That's all you need to do. He's the one seeking. You're the one hiding. So let's listen to these words. Where are you? Hiding. Covering up. Excusing. Blaming. Sulking. Running. Hurting. Questioning, doubting, struggling, exploring, resisting, pondering. Where are you? Father, I want to pray. Lord, that every single one of us will hear that question and we'll answer it today. God, I pray that we'll come running to you. It is ridiculous to keep running from a God who is running after us. So God, I want to say, Lord, here I am. I want to come to you. God, I pray that every single one of us in this room will hear your voice and we'll respond to you today. And just before we move on, I want to give you an opportunity today to respond And I want to ask you to do something that my little kid used to do when he was a little boy. That when daddy came in the room with a game of hide and seek, he just put his hand up straight away because he wanted to be found. And maybe this morning there are some of you and you know that you somehow got dislocated from God. And today you want to take a step towards him. Maybe you're not a Christian, but you want to take a step towards him. Maybe you are and you know that you've got lost or you're hiding. This morning, you can make that step towards him. So when everyone's got their eyes closed, if that's you, would you just put your hand up as a way of saying, God, I hear you. I hear your question. Thank you. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray for you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. You're just making that step towards him. Say, I ain't going to hide any longer. I don't want to cover up any longer. It's good. Father, thank you that you're such a gracious God. Amazing! how kind, how compassionate you are. God, I pray for all these folks who are just putting their hand up and say, hey God, find me, find me. I don't want to hide any longer. God, would you come to them as they come to you? And Lord, I pray that right now they would be aware of your spirit and your presence. And God, I pray for all of us that we would never hide from a God who knows where we are anyway and who loves us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand and why don't we respond to God together in worship. If any of you need prayer this morning, then you know you can come to the front. Someone will pray for you. If not, then let's worship.